Hello, church family. Thank you for joining us for another message from Res Life Holland. We hope this sermon encourages you in your walk with Jesus and empowers you to live the life God has for you. Now sit back and enjoy today's message. I suppose, we do we stop saying Merry Christmas or can we say it one more time? One more time, I heard said, so okay, there you go. Get that last Merry Christmas out today. Hey, Nancy, good to see you here today. All right, people, home for the holidays. So glad you guys could make it today. Um, As I was thinking about what to share, we had our Christmas service last week, and the kids came up and sang, and so I didn't have to do a Christmas message today, even though it is like it was Christmas hours ago. But what kept coming back to my heart was a a Christmas-related message. And I want to call today's message the Great Gift Exchange. And uh, I want to open with what is, to me, an intriguing verse. Hebrews chapter 6, or excuse me, chapter 11, verse 6. It says this, and without faith, it is impossible to please God. How many want to please God? All right, we need faith. And then it says, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists. Sound simple enough? Okay. I don't think we've stumped anybody theologically yet. If I want to please God, I need to approach him. And to approach him, I need to believe that he's there. Then this is the part that is surprising to me. And that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Now, let's think about that for a second. God says... If you want any chance of pleasing me, you have to believe that I reward you. I mean, of all the things that God could have said, isn't that kind of like low down on our expectation list? If you want to please me, you need to be willing to do this or that. We we, we would have expected almost anything but that. He says, in order to please me, you need to have faith And what do you need to have faith in? My existence and my desire to reward you. That's that he summarizes. He says, You want to please God, you have to believe in me, and and you need to believe that I give good gifts to those who seek me. Good gifts. Like too many. And, and why is that so important? Well, what happens if you don't understand that? I remember going to the hospital a couple of years ago to visit someone from the church. And as I was walking the halls, I ran into one of the parents of, of one of the kids on my kid's hockey team. Or, yeah, so parents of one of the kids on my kid's hockey team. That's right. And, you know, we had talked in the bleachers a number of times. He knew that I was a, a pastor. We had conversed before, and, and he was there um, with some medical issues. And I start talking to him about it, and I, I ask if he'd like prayer, and I start to pray and rebuke the, the sickness that he's on there. And we get to talking. And for the first time, in his, he's like, he's like, you... You mean God didn't give me this? He thought sincerely and honestly that God had purposely afflicted him with this disease and that somehow God was trying 
to punish him or teach him something that... Now, here's, here's what this verse says. God is not pleased when we accuse him of giving rotten gifts. He says he is pleased when we recognize the truth that the Bible gives us. This is what the Bible says. James chapter 1, verse 17. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights. Who, now here's the thing. If that's all it said, someone would say, okay, all the good stuff comes from God, but so does some of the bad stuff. Right? He, he, he does both. But the verse doesn't stop there. It says, who does not change like shifting shadows? Every good and perfect gift comes from the Father who doesn't change like shifting shadows. What do shadows do? In the morning, the sun comes up, let me get my bearings here, in the east, and so the shadow is over here. In the afternoon, the sun goes down in the west, and the shadow is pointing the opposite direction. The scripture is trying to be perfectly clear. God gives good gifts, and he isn't giving you, you know, healing on Monday, cancer on Tuesday, toothache on Wednesday, and then healing on Thursday. Because what would that be? That would be shifting back and forth like the shadow. In the morning, it points this, and then in the afternoon, and then in the morning, and the afternoon, and the morning, and the afternoon. And some people, that is, that is the, the picture that they have of God. And so we come to the, this time of year, this gift-giving time of year. And they're suspicious. Like, they don't even want to open the presence that came from God because they don't know what they're going to... They, 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 they don't know what to expect. Colossians 3, 23 and 24 says, Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since we know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. What am I receiving from the Lord? A reward. What are his rewards like? Like, do I need to wonder? When I open a gift that God has given me, should I brace myself? You never know what kind of gift this is going to be. So, our third Friday is the group that we have for, for the, the singles. They get together usually twice a month, once here for like a little thing here on camp, and then they usually go out and do something fun. But this year they had a Christmas thing, and they did a white, uh, a white elephant gift exchange. How many of you have ever done a white elephant gift exchange? Does anybody not know what a white elephant gift exchange is? All right, we're going to explain. I saw a hand, and I'm sure if I saw one hand, somebody else didn't raise their hand and doesn't know. So in a white elephant gift, usually you put out a price and you say, don't exceed $5, $10, whatever. You try to keep things easy. And then people purposely get weird stuff. Can we show some of the gifts that... I pulled these, I pulled these from Facebook, so you guys already made them public, all right? So can we, can we show a couple of the... the we, didn't, we didn't get it. It's in the media. All right. If you go to the third Friday, you can see. They had garlic. I saw a picture of Bobby with garlic potatoes. 
Yeah, somebody else got, you got pity, but, but here's the thing, don't you exchange them around? You didn't, you didn't get rid of them? You ended up going home with the garlic potatoes? <laughs> so what happens at the beginning of a, of a white elephant gift exchange is there's all of these wrapped gifts and somebody walks up there and they pick one out and they open it up and it might be garlic potatoes, it might be a goofy snowman coffee mug, it might be um, a recorder. I think Mary was playing a recorder that she got. Well, you get this gift and I don't know if you guys played it this way, but the way I always played it when I was um, doing this is the next Oh, they're stretched sideways. I'm sorry about that, guys. We did find some of the pictures. So, Legos. So what would happen is, when it's your turn, you would look and see the gifts. There's an old coffee mug, the recorder. Um, I'm going to plug it for you guys. They have them stretched sideways. So that's not what everybody actually looks like. Okay. So what happens is, you see the other gifts that have already been opened. And you see the garlic potatoes, which if that's your favorite dish, you have a choice. Do I open a mystery gift or do I ask for the thing that's there? And what happens is if you look at that and you say, oh, I've always, I'm really in the mood for garlic potatoes. You don't have to go for a mystery. You could just say, you know what? Give me the garlic potatoes. You get to open another gift, which may or may not be better than that. And so you get these gifts, and you know, if it's not what you wanted, you put a real big smile on your face and act like it's really awesome because you're hoping somebody is going to ask for that instead of taking the mystery, right? And, and as you go through this thing, your, your gift isn't necessarily what you end up with because there's always a possibility that your gift will be exchanged until the very end. The Bible shows us that not only does God give good gifts, but he also exchanges for gifts. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things passed away. Behold, all things are, have become new. The Bible shows that God exchanges gifts. A lot of us, in our life, have kind of like unwrapped life. And you might look at what you got and think all you got was mashed potatoes. Some of us look at the situation that we're in and we think, is this all I get? But the good news is that as long as life is continuing, the game isn't over. The game isn't over. There's still a possibility that what you aren't hoping to keep can be exchanged. Now, in the game, you, you've got to convince someone to want that. And usually, you only get exchanged when you have one of the top gifts. But that's not how God works. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. One of the gifts that God exchanges is sin, our sin, our guilt for his righteousness. We are guilty, 
And he comes and says, hey, I'll take that guilt. Here, have my righteousness. The great exchange. The Bible says in Romans 8, 3, for God has done what the law weakened by flesh could not do. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and it is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one can boast. Here's the thing. At those gift exchanges, the white elephant ones we were just talking about, if you want an exchanged gift, you've got to have something they want. You've got to kind of, you know, make it look nice, desirable. That's not the case with God. God says, I make it clear. It is not about what you earned. He says, it's not by works. You don't work up enough earning power for me to exchange your guilt for my righteousness. He says, it's not because of what you do. He just comes and offers. What else does he exchange? 1 Peter 5, 7 says, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. How many of you have cares You may have unwrapped some situations, and that's what you have. The Bible says he wants us to turn those in, and he can exchange them. There's an interesting uh, parable in Matthew 13. Jesus said that the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then went, in, in his joy, he went and sold all he had, and he bought that field. Now we look at that, what? What? Let's modernize that. He was going along. He found something hidden or buried on a piece of land. And he realized the only way I have a right to this great treasure is if I own this land. So he left it where it was instead of stealing it from the current owner. He went and he sold everything he had to obtain the purchase price of that land so that he could go then and become the owner of that land. He spent everything he had. Why in the world would someone spend everything they have? Because they recognize it's going to obtain them something way greater than what they paid. That's what this parable is saying. It says when we understand the kingdom of God, we'll realize it's an exchange where we win big time. Where the cost to us is like minuscule compared to the great benefit. How many of you, and I'm not, I'm not a digital currency guru, but anybody ever else noticed that Bitcoin would have been a good idea in 2011? I looked it up. In February 2011, Bitcoin was $1 to one share. Today, it's 49,800-something to one share. You know what that means? If you spent 20 bucks on Bitcoin in two, February of 2011, you have a million dollars today. For every one dollar, you have 49,800 and something. Now, if you knew that somehow, 
in advance. You knew with guarantee this is going to explode. The value of this is currently low. I can buy it right now and I will have a... Whoa, how many of you would go spend more than 20 bucks on Bitcoin in February if, if we knew? Why? God, that's what God is saying. He says the kingdom of heaven is like that. It's like discovering something has great value and can be obtained for less than what the benefit will be. You can obtain God's reward, his, his gifts, and it will cost you something, but it won't be in excess of the value that you will receive in return. It's the great exchange. Psalms chapter 30, verse 10 through 12, it says, Hear, Lord, and be merciful to me. Lord, be my help. You turned wailing into dancing. You removed my sackcloth and clothed me with joy, that my heart may sing in your praises, not be silent. Lord, my God, I will praise you forever. What, what's the exchange he's talking about there? He says, you turned my wailing, we don't use that word, my, my absolute sobbing and, and mourning and crying and sadness into dancing. And you exchanged my sackcloth. Sackcloth was, was, was the garb that you wore when you were in sadness and mourning. He says, you, you exchanged that for joy. That my heart may sing your praises and not be silent. This is the exchange, the great exchange. God comes like we've, our life is that white elephant. Get, we unwrap it. Uh. Am I, am I stuck? Those of you who just did this this past week, you open it up and your thought is, am I stuck with this? Like, am I going home with garlic potatoes? Or do I get that really cool 15-year-old coffee mug? Or the recorder, or the Legos? And I don't know what everybody ended up with, but I saw some of those pictures. Isaiah 61, 1 through 10 says, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. What's good news to the poor? You don't got to be poor no more. He says, he has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted and to proclaim freedom to the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn and to provide for those who grieve in Zion to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes. The oil of joy instead of mourning, a garment of praise instead of the spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated, and they will renew the ruined cities and that have been devastated for generations. Strangers will shepherd your flocks, foreigners will work your fields and vineyards, and you will be called priests of the Lord, and you will be named ministers of our God, and you will feed on the wealth of nations, and in your riches you will boast instead of your shame. 
riches instead of shame. And you will receive a double portion. And instead of disgrace, you will rejoice in inheritance. And so you will inherit a double portion in your land, and everlasting joy will be yours. For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and wrongdoing. In my faithfulness, I will reward my people and make an everlasting covenant with them. Their descendants will be known among the nations and their offspring among the peoples. All who see them will acknowledge that they are a people the Lord has blessed. I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God. Man, now that is a gift exchange I can get excited about. This, how do I please the Lord? The Lord says, you, you have to believe that he is, and you have to believe that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. If I do not expect that God is seeking to reward me, I don't know God's character. I don't understand who God is. Now, I know somebody <clears throat> is listening to this, and they, they're, it's, they're struggling because there's this voice in their head saying, but isn't it selfish and wrong to expect good things from God? Isn't that wrong? How many of you have kids or grandkids this Christmas? Does anybody want their kids to be lacking? Does anybody want their kids to, to get crummy presents? No. The Bible says that our heavenly father is greater than any earthly father. There's a scripture that says, how many of you, you being humans, you being people, you being sinners, how many of you would give a rock to your kid if they ask for bread? He says, how many of you would do that? He says, and, and you're not perfect, and God is. How much more our heavenly Father, who loves us and cares for us, Yes, there is more to Christianity than God's blessings. And is it possible to be skewed with a, a perspective that is just self-centered about, you know, bless me, give me more stuff, amen, the end? That's, that's not what we're talking about. We're recognizing that God loves us as his children. And he says, I want you to know my character and my heart towards you as my children. And when you expect that I am there to do you harm, this is not pleasing. When you open the gift 
that it seems life has given you, and you think, this must be the best God ever wants for me, that breaks God's heart. He says, I have more for you. Ezekiel 36, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your old heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. Instead of the iniquities in our heart. The Bible, the Bible uses the term iniquities. In Isaiah 54, it talks about him being crushed for our iniquities. You know what iniquity is? It's like a repetitive sin or bent. We would call it an addiction. But it, it, it includes more than just a chemical addiction. It includes that. But it's those issues that we struggle with over and over. Maybe it's a temper. Maybe it's pornography. Maybe it's some, this, this thing that just keeps tripping you up. He says, I take that and I put a new heart in you. I'll give you a new spirit. We already mentioned what he exchanges for sin, but let's read it again. 2 Corinthians 5.21, he made him to be, who knew no sin, to be sin on your behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. We had sin and guilt. He came and he exchanged that sin and guilt for his righteousness. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24 says, he himself bore our sins and his body on the cross so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. That sense of being defeated by the power of sin, he says, I have given you power to live righteously. Power to overcome those iniquities, those, those addictions, those temptations. Hebrews 12.2 says that he endured the cross and despised the shame. He took our shame and he gave us his glory. John 17.22 says, The glory which you have given me, I have given to them. This is what Jesus was saying to the Lord. He said, The glory you gave me, I have given them. Galatians chapter 3 13 through 14 says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law in order that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. What did we initially get in the exchange? A curse. We opened up, that's way worse than garlic potatoes. The curse. But then God said, no, I'll take that. Here is my blessing. The blessing that you can receive through the promise of faith. 1 Peter 2 verse 24 says, by his wounds you were healed. We may have opened 
sickness, disease. But he says, I'll exchange that. I was wounded on the cross so that you can be healed. He exchanged healing for his wounds. Though, 2 Corinthians 8, 9 says, Though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that through his poverty you might become rich. Now that's an exchange if I ever saw one. Just as clear as day. Isaiah 53, 4. Our sorrows he carried. He took our sorrow. Colossians 1.27 says, Christ in you, the hope of glory. And he gave us his hope. Sorrow for hope. Philippians chapter 4, verse 4 through 7 says, Rejoice in the Lord. Continues, says, Be anxious for nothing. And then it also says, And the peace of God will guard your heart. They tell us that anxiety has never been measured higher in our society. So many people opened their gift and they're looking at their life and they are overwhelmed with anxiety. God says, be anxious for nothing and the peace of God will guard your heart. He wants to take that anxiety and replace it with his joy and peace. Matthew 27, 46, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He experienced rejection. Ephesians 1, 5 says, he predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself. He takes rejection and exchanges it for adoption. He says, you weren't wanted, but I want you. I don't know if you've ever seen the little comic, I think it's comic, now you'd call it a meme, but of an adopted kid who discovered that they were adopted and they were like thinking that somehow that made them less and they went to their, their parents and they said, no, I didn't get to pick my other kids, but I went out and I chose you. God chose us. Rejection is replaced by adoption. It's interesting. The Bible is clear that he sought relationship with us. Think about that for a second. Think about that. He said, if you want to please me, you need to believe that I am and that I want to do good to you. That's the foundation of understanding and relating with God. Romans 6, 23. The wages of sin is death. The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now, we've talked about these gifts and the exchanges and, and all of this, but how do, we, how do we get it? Did anybody give a gift this year that was like shrink-wrapped in like bulletproof plastic? 
wrapped down with like heavy-duty metal twisty ties clamped together somehow. And you're like trying to open this thing and you're not a, you don't, it's not a paper cut you get on those hard plastic things. It's like a literal gouge. And you're trying to get into those like, who's got the scissors? We have to, at, at our house, we have to have like a knife or a scissors on hand for, for opening the present. Why? Because it can be so hard to get into some of them. How do we get, what good does it do to know that there's these gifts but not how to open them? It's going to get complicated, theologically profound, deep. Ready? Matthew 7, 7. Ask and I will give it to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. What did we start out with? He says, you must believe. In order, to, in order to please God, you have to have faith and believe that he wants to reward you. You know what you don't do if you don't believe that he wants to reward you? You don't ask. I don't know if any of you guys have ever, but y- y- how many of you would love a raise? How many of you have ever, and you don't have to raise your hand if you don't want to, have you ever debated asking for a raise? You know that feeling of like, I really want something, but I'm pretty convinced they don't want to give it to me. But do I ask for it or do I just do nothing? Because it's no fun to get rejected. And I'd almost rather say nothing than than ask and then get shot down. But I mean, maybe I should ask because there's a tiny chance that maybe even though they don't want to, they just might do it if I ask well enough, if I... You know, and you go through this whole thing where you're like, do I even bother to ask? Do I ask? Should I ask? Should I say something? Should I? Why? Because you don't know what they want. And then we assume in that particular case, they don't want to give me a raise. So we don't want to ask. I don't know if anybody ever had that, but then you ask, and you're like, okay. You're like, what was I all bent out of shape about? Why didn't I ask last year at my performance review? Why didn't I ask? Because you didn't believe that they wanted you to have it. If you don't believe that they want you to have it, well, then, of course, it's a battle. Ask. The Bible talks about all these good things that come in his presence. Go to his presence. Get to know God. Here's the thing. The more you learn about how God sees you, the easier it is to ask in faith for the things that you learned he wants you to have. Why did I go through that list? Were we able to create the list of things? If we can throw that up there, I want you to look at this list and say, what what is it? He's taken away rebellion and independence and restored. Well, that's not what I was thinking of. Oh, you're looking at, oh, you're looking at the next spot in my notes. That's awesome. (laughs) Um, 
rebellion, and he restored daily fellowship. He removed a darkened heart, gave me a new heart. Jesus removed my sinfulness, and now I daily put on Christ's robe of righteousness. Jesus removed the power of sin, and now I have the power of passion to live in holiness. He took my shame, and now I radiate his glory. He removed the curse I deserve, and I walk in the Spirit, experiencing God's blessings. Jesus took away my sickness, and now I walk in divine health. Jesus has taken away my poverty, and now I live in abundance. Jesus has taken away my sorrow and regret, and now I have new hope that fills my life daily. Jesus has taken anxiety and now given me joy and peace to guard my heart. Jesus removed my fear of rejection and adopted me into his family. Jesus experienced my death, so I now have eternal life. There's, we've gone over so many different things that God exchanges. Anxiety, sickness, loneliness, brokenheartedness, poverty, shame, guilt. Which of these are, are that thing? Now, what is one of the things that blocks us from from receiving from God? I'll tell you what it is. It's not believing that we're worthy. Do you guys remember the story of the prodigal son? Let's think about that in relationship to the gifts and the exchange that God has for us. The prodigal son demanded what he thought belonged to him. He took it. He left, and he squandered it all. He took half of his father's belongings and went and just squandered it. He wakes up one day realizing how terrible his life has become. He's a Jew feeding pigs, which according to Judaism was something you're not supposed to touch or be around, and he, he's longing to eat their food, their slop. He's in such dire straits. And he says, maybe, maybe I can come back. Of course God wouldn't, or my father, <clears throat> we know who represented God in the, the story, but he says, of course my father wouldn't want me back as his son, but maybe, just maybe, I can be an employee because his employees have it better than I have out here. And so he goes back expecting that maybe he can exchange the mess that he made of his life for employee status. Maybe. I can, I'm, I'm not worthy to be a child, but maybe out of the pity of his heart, he'll give me employee status. And he comes back. And the Bible says that the father saw him far off. And did the father say, well, what you're bringing isn't of enough value? No, the father ran to him. Because it didn't matter what he had to exchange. The father loved him as his son. You see, that is what we have with God. 
He sees us as his children. We do not receive good things from him because we brought something good enough. We, we, we have this tendency to think, well, I'm not, I'm not good. I, don't, I, haven't, I haven't read enough verses. I haven't prayed enough hours. I haven't studied enough. I haven't you know, avoided enough temptation. I haven't avoided enough mess-ups. I've, I've lost my temper too, too many times. I've lied too many times. I've, I've slept in on Sunday too many times. I've done whatever. And God is looking. He says, that's not it. You're my child. I don't care how messed up you are. I want you back. Not because of what you've done. Because you're my child. Not because of how well you've, you've managed what I gave you. Some of us have messed stuff up. Some of us have had situations happen. Was it our fault? But we've blamed ourselves and thought, well, because I'm in this situation, God's blessings must only reach this level in my life. God must never want me to truly succeed. Baloney. We look at that, and I'm going to read Luke 11, 21. It says, and the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet, and bring the fatted calf and kill it, and let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. That son didn't understand that his dad had good things for him. He came hoping for the lowest exchange possible. Just, my life is so, just not what I wanted. Just give me employee status, please. I feel like some of us, that's the way we come to God. We're like, okay, I've, I've got a thousand problems can you just help me with two of them? I'll keep the rest. Just God, I, I know I'm a bother. You probably don't care, but, you know, just, just make it tolerable. I'm only worthy of that. No. Did you mess up? Sure you did. All of us have in one way or another. He said, it is not by works so that no one can boast. God's kingdom isn't about giving eternal life only to those who earned it. He says, no. In fact, it's the opposite of that. I don't want it to be about your works. Come and, and then the other brother who, who hadn't messed up, he comes and says, well, what about me? He says, hey, I got you covered too. 
He was all bent out of shape comparing. That's not the point. God loves you. I just want to, to, to remind everyone the greatest exchange is our guilt for his righteousness. That's step number one. If you know that your sin is forgiven and you, you are the righteousness of God in Christ, I want you to raise your hand. If you know that, praise God. The Bible says know that you have salvation. If you want that exchange, if you're watching or listening today and that's that you say, I, I hope. Well, the Bible doesn't say you need just, just hope that it might. He says know that you have salvation. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says if you confess with your mouth that Jesus died on the cross and believe in your heart that he rose from the dead, you will be saved. I want to invite you to make that exchange today. If that's you, with every eye closed just for a moment, if you want to make that exchange, your guilt for his righteousness, today's the day. If that's you, just raise your hand. If you're watching online, this goes to you. We're going to pray just like that scripture instructed. Say, dear God, I believe that you died on the cross to pay for my sin. I accept that exchange, my guilt for your innocence. Thank you for forgiving me. I give you my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen.